to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats. Powered by Mercury Marine with Reliant Lithium Batteries, providing the juice. I am your host, David Shong, and with me is Danny Blanford. Danny, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. I did not get to do any fishing, though. We normally get to talk <laughs> about a fishing trip, and I handled a lot of fishing lures, but no fish. So we worked all weekend. <laughs> all right. It's, I guess similar boat, no fishing for me. I, it's been a wet weekend, so I was like, yeah, wet and cold. So I was like, you know, just spend more money that I didn't have. And then just watching guys fish, I guess, all weekend. So that kind of got me itching to go. I know that this week, I know Wisconsin, it's the opener. So this week we can actually keep fish and tournaments will be happening and stuff like that. But it definitely with the warmer weather, it's got me itching to go. So <laughs> Maybe that's why I was handling baits all weekend. I didn't realize it was the Wisconsin <laughs> opener, but that explains a couple of things I saw over the weekend. So good, good to know. <laughs> That's well, foreign to me, and I bet that's a foreign concept to our guest today, David. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Well, well, you know, there's probably no season. It's, it's very rare. It's, it's up north that we have these quote unquote seasons. So, yeah, appreciate anywhere down, anywhere close to the Mason Dixon line or south, it's uh, definitely foreign. So, right. I think it works, though, for what it's worth, but I digress. <laughs> Let's talk to somebody that's better at catching them than us. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. So, joining us this week uh, is the angler that laid the smackdown in Louisiana at the MLF Heavy Hitters event, and that's MLF BPT angler Elton Jones Jr. Welcome to the show, and congratulations. Hey, thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me on. It was uh, it was an awesome week, you know, and I, I heard y'all talking about it being cold. I didn't know I didn't know where y'all were up in Wisconsin, uh, but now, now I fully understand. I bet it is cold up there. Well, well Danny's from uh, well, Southern Indiana, but yeah, I can, uh, I'm looking out at Kentucky. So I, we're, we've kind of got a gradient here from where you are to where I am to where David is. We've got most of the central part of the U.S. covered <laughs> from north to south. Yeah, yeah. So, Elton, you know, so, the, you know, obviously with heavy hitters, uh, you qualify for this and it took place on Caney Creek, which was the second time I believe the basketball tour has been on this uh, body of water. But did you going into this event? Did you think you had a good chance of doing well, uh, even though different time of, uh, of the year compared to last year's event? Yeah, you know, I I, I like this time of year. Um, when I saw it on the schedule, um, I thought it really could suit my strengths. But you know, we've had such a warm uh, winter and early spring. Um, coming into that event at Canyon Creek, I, I was not very optimistic that it was going to fit my strengths. I kind of thought all the fish would be done spawning, they got offshore. Um, but luckily for me, uh, I went to went to start poking around up shallow and found a few few still up on bed and um, really kind of went all in on that game plan. Uh, after the you know the first morning of the tournament, had a little bit of success out deep, but then uh, then went all in on on shallow fishing at Canyon Creek. You know, um, while I have a little bit of experience there. Fun fact, Caney Creek is the only time in my pro career, so since 2015, that I've zeroed at a lake. Last time we were there, the Bass Pro Tour, I zeroed. So, um, uh, you know, my history here hadn't been a great track record, but but we were able to turn that around a little bit this week. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say, having zeroed there before, did you go back and take a look at it anytime in between and, and kind of try to re- recrack the code so to speak or just came at it with a fresh perspective you know i came at it with a fresh perspective uh a lot of times i'll, I'll go to new bodies of water or bodies of water for practice but in the springtime um that's not really something you can prepare for um, right. if, you're, if you're hoping for a spawn event because um, they're either on the bank in these areas or not you know so um as far as a, a pre-practice and preparation goes Spawn events are, are the least amount of preparation you'll need to do. As an That's an awesome point. Awesome point on that because they're either you're looking at them or you're not. Well, since you mentioned, uh, you know, zeroing out and practice uh, with uh, was a Caney Creek, but Bussy Break. So was that your first time also checking out Bussy Break uh, at this event? Yeah, so I never I never 
been to Bussy Break before. I take that back. I, I did a small ride around at Bussy Break when we were there last year, but I never got to fish. Um, so this year, you know, we had three days of practice. I did go and spend a half day there um, and quickly fell in love with the place. You know, I, I kind of cut my teeth fishing in Deep South Texas at Joe Canyon and Lake Falcon and Lake Amistad and uh, fishing for big bass around heavy cover. And it was really easy to get settled in at home. It kind of brought me back to brought me back to my childhood uh, you know, fishing big rod, big line um, for some really big fish. And uh, I was really, really impressed with the fishery. Um, quickly got on to uh, uh, notice that there was a shad spawn there in practice. And uh, that's that's kind of what pinpointed me in. I don't for anybody that watched live catching them on that Jack uh, Bellow shad, but I was flipping a white one. Basically, it's a shad spawn bait where you can't put any other shad spawn bait. You know, you can't throw a spinner bait or a, or a buzz bait or a whopper plopper in the middle of the heart of a bush or a tree. Um, and so, so it was kind of cool to get a, get on that bite and, and on my signature bait nonetheless. But, um, so I, after my half day of practice, um, I thought if I got to bust break, I would stand a chance to, you know, maybe make a little noise, but I had no clue what would be in store for me on that chamber. I was, that was a that was a special special day, you know. It's a day of fishing that I'll, I'll really struggle to top. Now I want to hear a little bit more about that bait. I noticed it showing up in different places, and the profile is a little different. It's a little wider. It, it, everything about it's unique. And you mentioned it being kind of one of your signature deals. Tell us a little bit about it. What do you think makes the difference? Yeah. So uh, going kind of back a little backstory on the bait itself. Uh, I got hooked up with G-Crack. I, I, before I ever met them, I fell in love with uh, a bait they have called the Bellows Gill. Mm -hmm. um, very, very popular bait uh, in Japan, a bait that, um, you know, JDM tackled. It's just got a really niche market here in the States, but it, it, it picked up some traction here. Um, I love to sight fish, and that, and that bluegill profile of that Bellows Gill is a phenomenal bed fishing bait. It just irritates this big bass and, and quickly became my favorite side fishing bait. Um, so fish with it for a couple years. Then all of a sudden I, I get in contact with G-Crack. Uh, they bring me on the team. Um, and while, while I love the Bellows Gill and a lot of the baits that they had, um, we need a little bit more of an Americanized tournament style version. version. You know, the, uh, the Bellows Gill, it's a bulky bait. It's a big bait. Um, uh, you know, I, I got a little creative, took some scissors and trimmed down a bellows gill into into a little bit more of a slender shape and uh, really fell in love with it, fell in love with the action, talked to them, and, and uh, we came up with, hey, you know, you got a bluegill profile and now this little more slender one with a shad profile. Uh, and, you know, the, bait, the bait's called the bellows shad, but, you know, really as I'm, I'm developing it, I'm thinking this is going to be a killer flipping bait. You know, if you hold it up to a beaver, it's, it's very similar size uh, stature, 3.8 inches in the bulk that it gives. Uh, but it's a unique action. You know, when, when people flip jigs and craws and beavers, it's all about the flapping and the noise it makes. Uh, but with this fellow shad, it's, a, it's an incredibly tight shimmy. Mm -hmm. When you look at a bait fish when it swims, um, Shad doesn't have a giant boot tail or a big flapping crawl on the back of it. Uh, you know, its tail is just a tight wiggle, and uh, that's what this bait gives off. And I think it really is just an incredible lifelike bait that gives a reaction bite. Same um, bait um, while developing it, I caught I caught them sight fishing using this back bait. Obviously, not a white one, but last year in heavy hitters, caught the big bass. The, the thousand eight hundred thousand dollar bass last year on like how more comfortable with the uh, my biggest fish at the event down at Kissimmee I caught a seven seven on it fast forward here to heavy hitters break uh, branching out putting it on a spinner bait um, really gives that spinner bait a big bulk profile what most people don't think of is when it comes to choosing a spinnerbait trailer, uh, trailer to me is less about the action, more, you know, more about the bulk of the bait and how it's going to affect the bulk of that bait as you reel it. 
Um, I was throwing a half ounce survey. Very high in the water column and very close. Yeah, Alan, I know we're having some trouble on the technical side of the oh. connection. Oh, there you are. Uh, no, just I apologize. Can you run over uh, that, that spinnerbait setup again? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the, the you know when, I, when it comes to choosing a spinnerbait, really, I really focus hard on the bulk and the uh, the size of the trailer because what that's going to do is give the bait buoyancy um, and uh, allow me to reel that bait incredibly slow while also keeping it high in the water. That is a big old trailer, but as I'm cypress trees on Bussy Break, uh, I noticed the speed was incredibly high. Uh, a lot of my strikes were borderline visual strikes, and that Bellator's chat is uh, than your traditional survey. I think that was really, really Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And looking at that, the Bellows baits. The way they're the way they're shot makes it, you know, at one angle it looks like there's a lot there. At another angle, you can tell that it's fairly small in the middle. So when you talk about the bulk and stuff, if people haven't checked that out, they really need to see it because it's really unique what you guys are doing there with how you're laying that plastic out and the profile you're getting while still maintaining that that kind of smaller core. So to me, it looks like it'd be a great flipping bait. And I don't think I would have thought to put it on a spinner bait. And for those that had some trouble with that audio part, you know, the takeaway was was that by putting that bulkier bait on there, you were able to slow that bait down and fish it up in the water column and it made all the difference it sounds like. So um, I appreciate you digging into that bait for us. I know it's interesting. And I think that um, you mentioned that, you know, you had a good April last year in heavy hitters. And I'm thinking that may have been the first place that I saw that bait show up on camera. Uh, I'm a bait junkie. I'd looked at that and was aware of that shape. I thought it was interesting. And I believe you're the first one I seen using it. And to your point, uh, that was almost a $200,000 payday on big fish. And then you back it up this week with another big payday. So congratulations to you and that bait and what you guys got going on there, man. That's a big fish deal for sure. Yeah. I've been, I've been really proud to work with, work with G crack. I, I mean, I've always been a little bit of a JDM junkie, um, you know, cause they, they make so much cool stuff and they're so technical, but uh, you know, after, after being involved with a company like that, I've gone head over heels. Um, but you would you would you would be shocked at the at the crazy things I end up buying off of Japanese tackle stores, but it's it's really opened my eyes and into the people um, of a lot of these different lure developments and and there, there's really a there's an there's a there's an unknown world out there and you know we're we're facing a we're facing a time right now where everybody's got forward facing sonar, a lot of fish are getting fished for that. And getting pressure all year long where they used to go offshore and never see a bait now they're seeing them having something a little different just a little and it can be the smallest of subtleties that i've learned um to be able to uh, trigger a bite but uh, that's that's one of the things i've loved about about being a part of uh, a company from japan they're, they're teaching me as much as i'm teaching them isn't that challenging though i mean to, to like for this bait for example i mean at some level, as a competitive angler, wouldn't you like to just keep that one in your pocket for a little while? It's kind of the double-edged sword, right? You get something great, you figure out it's great, you catch giants on it, and now your job is to tell everybody about it. So I guess you keep a couple prototypes in your pocket. So we're probably two or three good baits away from what you have in your boat right now, huh? Right, right. You know, I, I would love to keep it in my pocket as long as possible, but but now I've won $250 plus thousand dollars on this bait. So I think I think it's run its course and, and it's time to time to let the world see what it's capable of. Yeah, that's a great point. I guess if the guy tried to pocket more than a quarter of a million dollar off a of bait, he may be being a little selfish. So I'm with you on that. And and, yeah. <laughs> and congratulations and what a great testimony to what it can do. And like you said, let's see what the rest of the world can do with it because you've showed us something there for sure. Congratulations. Thank you. It was really rewarding and kind of a cool thing. It's just something I've never done in my career. You know, I'm signing autographs at heavy hitters at the post game show. And uh, somebody asked me, where can I get them? I said, oh, man, 
you can get them on any online store. Just go to Tackle Warehouse. They've got them. And somebody about 10 people back said, no, you can't. They're all sold out. <laughs> that just gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside to know that know that I'd done my job as a, a from the promotion standpoint and know that, that people really picked up on it. And, uh, it. It was cool. That is cool. Quick question on on, on, the, on the flipping setup or your bed fishing setup for that. How did you rig that uh, bellows shad for bed fishing? Yeah, so for bed fishing, which which that actually played a huge role for me at Caney. Um, obviously, I wasn't flipping a white one. I'm I'm old school. I like to throw a a green pumpkin or either like a sunburnt gill is what we call it uh, when I'm bed fishing. More of a natural color, but uh, I rig it up uh, with a uh, with like a three-eighths ounce weight, I want something kind of heavy where I can be in contact with that bait and really shake it, but without moving the bait through the bed too fast. Um, I rig it up on, on a 5 aught flipping hook, a straight shank flipping hook. It's a Hayabusa, and uh, I throw it on braid to a leader. Dad, my dad always did back in the day. It's what I'm comfortable with, um, and uh, it's... It, really nice to have that direct contact with a bait especially when you're dealing with fish that are a lot of these bed fish can be kind of finicky at biting the bait and you know pulling it out within a matter of a half second i think having that direct contact braid to a leader helps and so i, I rig it flat um try to get as little bit of plastic and in, in, um yeah, it's, it it infuriates a bass. You know, it's all about the profile. It it does imitate a small bait fish or small bluegill, small sun. That's what those bass are. Bass is number one enemy when they're ever try, looking for something. And you know, if you can't get them, back your rig or a drop shot. Hello, um, Shad's is a great. All right, so uh, going back to day one, just to kind of recap how things played out here. Day one, you end up catching nine scoreables for 30, 33 pounds and 14 ounces, uh, which puts you in the lead for your group on day one. How did you feel things went for you that particular day? Well, I, I felt like they went incredibly well. Um, I started offshore, um, and I, I actually caught uh, – uh, four bass and, and what was really neat we talked about the the baits that i have kind of tucked up under my sleeve um i was fishing a road bed with with five other and there was five of us in total sitting boat to boat to boat making the same cast and i was able to catch four fish little japanese bait that i'm not ready to disclose yet <laughs> um and nobody else caught a bass so that was kind of rewarding um and, you know, I, I decided to run shallow. I didn't have a bunch of bed fish found. I had one pocket that I'd seen a good one. Great conditions to look, uh, you know. So I rolled into this pocket, and that pocket, one pocket, I caught a, caught a 212, 314, 8, and a 6.7. Wow. And that one, so... It, I basically rode that one pocket all the way up the leaderboard. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like I was running a pattern or bouncing around. I just had a pocket that had some good females pulled up in it. They were acting right, and I was able to get them to trigger on that. Uh, for for anybody that's listening to this podcast, uh, I'll be. I didn't get any of that on the live stream because of uh, cell service issues. But I did have a live camera in the boat, and I also had my videographer, Tyler, with me. Dropping a YouTube video there, too. And, and it yeah, that'd be cool, because we're having some technical difficulties this evening, too. And I can tell that we're getting 90% of it out, but we're probably missing 10%. But you can tell that it's packed with knowledge for our listeners. So for those that might have missed that, there's going to be an opportunity for a YouTube vid where a videographer and everybody was in the boat get to see how some of that went down. So that'll be a great opportunity to check out the technique and the equipment used for sure. Now was yeah, done. I apologize too. <laughs> I apologize if I'm getting any uh, any static. I, I am driving right now. I'm I'm kind of uh, cramming this in. I've, I've got a newborn at the house. 
had to take some people fishing today, so so my commute is the is the only free time I have to do this podcast. So uh, I, I appreciate y'all bearing with me on this here. <laughs> oh, hey, no apologies necessary. And you brought up something about that that whole new baby thing, and congratulations on being a new papa. Uh, David's our stat guy, and he probably has more <laughs> on that. But man, that seems to be a thing. I, I think you anglers probably still come out in the hole in that month of, you know, starting things, starting a new family, but everybody seems to get paid in that first month. So that's congratulations on the win and the child for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I've always heard about the baby pattern, the baby pattern, and, and you can count me in as a firm believer now. So I, I'm ready. I'm, I told my, my wife didn't think it was funny, but you know, we, we're only three weeks into this, but I said, Hey, let's have another one. This works great. <laughs> that was gonna be my next question and she's not on board just yet so so there's plans for <laughs> that's great well elton what, what has been the hardest adjustment for being a new parent then uh you know um you know, i mean there's a there's a lack there's a lack of sleep and things like that that come with having a newborn but i know that's temporary uh you know the, the biggest adjustment is uh it's always been hard to leave, but I mean, it's never been as hard to leave as it was for me to go to heavy hitters. Hmm. Um, I mean, you know, it is a specialty event and I would never not show up, but I've never been so close to, to not even practicing for this. Event. I wanted, I wanted to spend time at home with my baby. He was a week old. Um, you know, and my, my wife was, was no easy task to take care of a child by yourself. So, um, there was a lot of guilt in leaving, but, Oh, she she was she was a champ through it all. Um, you know, really, really gave me a lot of grace and, and was the biggest fan, um, encouraging me while I was gone. So uh, she, she gotta give her a huge shout out. Kelsey's been Kelsey's been absolutely awesome, and um, I will uh, I you know when I'm home. That's why when I'm home, I try to be as be straight up home uh, and and help with her as much as I can when it comes to taking care. You know, you kind of hit on the family aspect of it and you kind of grew up on the road. Do you, do you anticipate at some point taking your family on the road with you so you don't have to do some of that leaving and you guys get to see the country together? No, I'm sure there will be some of that. Uh, I don't know if it'll be to the level that we've done. Uh, we just haven't crossed that bridge yet. You know, we, we traveled around in a motorhome, uh, homeschooled. Uh, while I love that life and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, we're just going to have to see what's best for us, what's best for him. Um, and, uh, and it depends too on how many more kids we decide to have, if any. So we're sure. cross that bridge when we get there, but I'm not going to put any pressure on, uh, on my wife to, to go and travel because it's really, while I love what I do, it's not a glorious, you know, glamorous life. Uh, a lot of times we're going to small towns, There's not much to do. I'm going daylight to dark, uh, so it, re it really takes uh, a lot of commitment from everybody to, to be able to pull that off. And, and if we do that, great. But if we don't, I, I totally understand. Right. Haven't been there. I totally get that too. You know, prior to you joining us, I told David and I, I didn't know if I'd get into it or not. And I'm sure you won't remember, but talking about family travels and the RV and all that and small towns, um, you and I shared a meal at a Cracker Barrel with your mother and father and some folks for Skeeter, and I'm going to say it was very early 2000s. And uh, so you were a pup, and that was an awesome experience for me. I've been a fan of your father, and, and the, you know, I, I worked for Skeeter is kind of the backstory there. And I can't remember what town. I feel like we were in Ohio, um, but we all sat down and had a meal after a boat, a boat show. And there was definitely nothing glorious about the Cracker Barrel in Ohio, but we had a good meal with good people. So that part mattered. And uh, to see, uh, you know, at that point, little, little AJ and you guys, I don't even know if you were doing high school fishing yet at that point, but wow, things, you know, are at that age of the equivalent of high school fishing, but um, to see it all come full circle, that's really cool, man. You, you've literally been at this and been working at this since the very beginning. So congratulations on that. Yeah, I mean, well, I had a really good teacher. Uh, you know, my dad taught me a lot. My mom taught me a lot. Uh, just life on the road, character, fishing, and everything, and then also traveling on the road. Um, I had a first-class seat to uh, seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of professional bass fishing. You know, 
Yeah, no doubt. You got into this with no disillusions. A lot of guys just see the the good side and think, man, that's what I want to do for a living. And, and you got to see it all top, top to bottom and said, I still want to do that. So you definitely came at it from a little different perspective. Right. Yeah. No, you, it, it definitely challenged no matter, no matter how prepared you are, but you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I can remember seeing certain anglers walk off that stage mid season and Dang, I think the technical. Uh, I'm sorry if you can hear me. I go down a hill. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Uh, but what I was saying is, I, I, I can I can vividly remember watching anglers uh, multiple times, multiple different anglers come off that stage mid-season at a bass tournament. Um, you know, in tears, knowing that they couldn't afford the next payment, um, and that their that their dream was coming to an end. Uh, and I think that gives you effect really to make it um so it you know like i said I, i've seen my dad win the classic but i've also seen the years full of 100 place finishes and it is a challenging sport it takes a lot out of you that's for sure i would i wouldn't want to do anything else right and we've we've talked about that on the program here the the guys that do it you know they say exactly what you said is is they're I wouldn't want to do anything else, right? So that's that's the passion driving the thing, and that's the one the one common thing among all the winners we talk about, isn't it, David? Is the passion? Yep. So to kind of since we're talking about dads and everything here, Alan Junior, what is the most treasured lesson that your dad has taught you as an angler? Since you know you said you learned so much from, him, what's the one the most most treasured lesson that you take from him? Well, uh, and that's that's a tough one. Uh, the most treasured lesson has to be there. There's a there's a million of them, but uh, that that, uh, that all these trophies and the money that that all fades. Um, you think it's what you truly want, um, but you know you're only as good as your last event. So don't put too much stock in your identity um, as a fisherman. Uh, someday that's going to come to an end. There's always going to be another angler that's better. Um, you're going to get old, and you're going to. I mean, as as anglers, we're all going to become going to become the old the old veteran that doesn't really catch them anymore. So don't don't put your identity in yourself um, based off of your finishes in your past tournaments. Put it put it in your faith. Uh, put it in you know how you treat people and uh, work ethic that you put into. So that so that your identity doesn't lie in your finishes or. Your because all of that's going to fade away. I would say that's a valuable lesson for fishermen and really anybody. I think that's a that's a great piece of advice for everybody out there. All right. And then I guess my last question for you, since I know you got a baby to go back home to, is you know, since we're talking about your dad, um, not there aren't too many instances, you know, of fathers and sons winning the same event or title. Uh, for me, the only one that comes up to my mind is the Hibdens winning the Classic. But how does it feel to win an event that your dad won just a few years earlier? It's really special. You know, we've, we've both had our successes, but we've never really crossed paths um, when it comes to success. Uh, I've got a BPT trophy, an Opens trophy, but he's got his Classics and Elite Series trophy. Now, now that we both have the same title, um, something that that we'll just share forever. You know, it's it, it, honestly it's something that that we we not that we weren't close, but it's just a, it's something to bond over. And, and, and kind of it's one of those things you got to pinch yourself, be like, man, is this real? That's pretty stinking cool. Because um, he he has taught me a lot over the years, and not to mention that there's only four of those belts in existence at the moment. Uh, we got. We're hoping that we can kind of keep this as a family tradition and keep it as a family and, and keep it going. But um, you know, just to, just to have the same title as each other is, is really really special. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you said, it's something that you know it's very rare for. So, like I said, that 
for that to happen, but for you guys to both do it just shortly after each other. And, and, and in this case too, the belts look the same. So, <laughs> so right, what, right. yeah, there's the only, only thing different on them is, uh, the, the, the location in the state, but outside of that, they're identical. So we're, we're going to have to be sure and not get them mixed up. <laughs> Family Christmas card. I see the picture already. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. We're, we're just waiting for jet, our son to get big enough so he, we can take a picture of him. I was gonna say, is there a belt? Does it weigh more than than Jet? Then? <laughs> oh, quite, quite, quite a bit more. Uh, he he was only six pounds one ounce when he was born. He's probably right about seven now. I would guess that belt's probably in the um, twenty pound range. So oh, wow. you have to grow into it. <laughs> so you were catching fish bigger than your newborn. I was, I was, and that, that was actually one of the things that I thought about regularly. You know, I'd catch a seven pounder, and I'd be like, "Man, this is bigger than my kid." It's <laughs> <laughs> really cool, but you know, all in all, I was, I was really kind of backtracking to Bussy Break. I was shocked that uh, there weren't more big fish caught because uh, in practice, you know, I talked to several other anglers that had gone over there for half day. And it's like I was the only one that didn't catch a double digit bass. I was just. I would have bet the house that there was going to be multiple double digits bass caught that day, but I think the condition. I don't think we got all the end of that, but it sounded like it was a conditions thing, David, and I'm going to argue that that was the uh, new baby mojo kicking in. I apologize if y'all didn't hear that. I was just saying I was surprised that there weren't more big bass caught at Busty Break. Yeah, we got that part now. I mean, that's what we were saying is just positive momentum for you. It's like you've said in some of the stuff that I've read, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. And that is kind of crazy to to be expecting double digits and they not show up that day. And um, But at the end of the day, you got the belt. So congratulations on taking that thing back home with you. Thank you. all I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, Hopefully, hopefully we're not done yet for the season, but if we are, man, it's, it's been a phenomenal season already to this point, more than I could ever ask for. Well, awesome, David. You want to cut him loose, let him get home and see that yep. new baby and yeah. uh, soak it in a little bit, and we'll do our thing and wrap it up. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks a lot again. Thanks uh, for joining us, Elton, and good luck again in a few weeks on Gunnersville. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. If y'all ever want to do this again, just let me know. I'll, I'll try not to be driving in a truck when we do it again next time. Through the country. Hey, we try to talk to all the winners, so just win another one, and we'll do it again with good service. That's all you got to do. Hey, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Hopefully, we'll talk after Gunnersville then. That sounds, right, good. sounds good. Good luck all to right. you. Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. All right. There you have it, folks. The winner of the MLF Heavy Hitters event and pocketing a cool $165,000, and that's a, a, a Mr. Elton Jones Jr., a new daddy there. Uh, Danny, you mentioned in, in the interview here that, you know, uh, sitting and enjoying a dinner at Cracker Barrel with him and his family. Did you think that you would one day be seeing him lifting big trophies and be talking to him on a podcast, what, X amount of years later? Yeah, I guess at this point, I was kind of looking, trying to pin it down, and I think, best guess, it was 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and to answer your question, I absolutely knew he could if he wanted to um, because of the, the upbringing and his folks and the family background and how important fishing was. I knew that that young man was being exposed to things in fishing that um, most people couldn't. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned that if he wanted to, because sometimes, you know, people when you you know, as a child, you, you don't really get to pick that stuff. Right. And mm -hmm. so I know people who were parents who had children that didn't share the same interest, right. Because it was forced so much, or it was so in their face that they wanted to do their own thing. Yep. And, and I think in those situations, it can go either way, but um, the young boy I remember having dinner with was ate up with bass fishing. Okay. And to his, to his point, he was ate up by with bass fishing in a family that was ate up with bass fishing and it's what they did. And, uh, I'm not surprised that, you know, not surprised at the success or anything just because of the culture and, and the skill set. You know, it's been developed for such a long, long time. He was doing he was doing things that high school anglers today are nowhere near the skill of what he had when he was high school age. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I can say is that. 
you know, the, the family values, the keeping your head on straight, everything I enjoyed about his, the, the relationship with his parents and stuff that all seems intact with his family in terms of priority and faith and those types of things. So I know he comes from people of faith and maintains his own. And, you know, I think it was real telling when he talked about some of the best advice his father gave him, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't about a technique. It wasn't about uh, how to manage image. It was about being humble and true because there'll be a day where you're not a fisherman anymore. And you got to, at the end, when that happens, you want to make sure you're a good man, a good father, a, a good man of faith. And, you know, the angling is just what you did. So I thought that was cool to hear. Yeah. You know, um, it's one of those things where a lot of times when we think of sports, because I guess it's still a debate whether or not if you consider it, fishing and professional fishing uh a sport but you know um well we're you we're so used to i guess genetics coming into play when it comes to stick and ball sports you know uh-huh. stuff like that whereas i'm not sure i'm not saying it doesn't exist in some way on the fishing level but um but yeah definitely you know uh i think he's one of the first not the first but definitely one of because we, we're starting to see a lot of these um these young, the the when I said the the offspring of some mm-hmm. of these professional anglers, they're, they're starting to come through the ranks and trying to make it to the to the top level. I know Elton Junior is one of the first guys to really do it, but right. to uh, to see that you know again, um, him have uh, a pretty good success at a young age so far. Um, again, the reason I brought the whole genetics thing, I, I'm not sure it's the it's it's not that just because he's a son of a Bassmaster Classic champion means that he's. Uh, it's ingrained with them to be able to catch nine, 10 pounders left and right. That whereas some of us struggle to catch two to three pounders, but um, no, I don't, I don't think that part of it is, but Oh no, no. Yeah. The, the culture. Yep. It, being exposed to the culture makes you more likely. It goes back to, I think one of our guests one day, when I hear people saying, Oh, if I could just get out there with those guys, I could do that. And I just shake my head. It's like, no, you can't. Right. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> you have no idea what you're signing up for. Whereas out in, out in junior hit on that, you know, he, yep. he knows, the highs seen, and the, yeah, seen yeah. the highs and the lows and said, you know what? I still want to do that. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's a big difference, but great dude. You know, I'm interested in, in the technique and the, and the bait. The, I'm glad he talked about that a little bit. Um, he's been doing some damage with that thing for a while. And that, that shape coming out of Japan is pretty unique. So uh, we're not affiliated in any way with any of that, but I think that's cool. And, you know, he hit on it. He's made over a quarter million dollars uh, on big fish during April. So that may tell you all you need to know. Even if you only throw it one month out of the year, it looks like April might be a decent month to throw it, huh? Well, I think he, I could have swore, I think he used it for his, when he won last year, uh, when he won. At Fork? Yeah, at Fork. So, you know, within like a little over a year, he's made a lot of money on it already. So, no uh, uh, when, you know, we're not saying that bait is necessarily the, the the primary factor, but I'm pretty sure that that bait because I I played around with the bellows gill in the past, so uh, it is it does have its you know unique uh, something a little bit different. So, but you know, with any angle, we always try to find something that a few extra things in our pockets to give us a slight edge, whether it does or not. But uh, but it's one of those things where I definitely make sure that I guess if tech or warehouse is sold out of them, I'll have to keep looking around for a bit. But well, I imagine a big part of it's confidence, right? And oh, no, you know, sure, we, yeah. we've seen that, and I've seen that in so many different techniques i mean we make baits and sell baits and there's guys that you put that in their hand and they're just on a different level but it's because of you know we talk about in in our particular case there's guys that are running around the lake looking for that bite right because that's what they want to do and i would say that his relationship with that bait and those presentations he probably spends time looking for uh, quality fish that'll eat that the way that he wants it to. And it's just yep. kind of became part of his deal. And, and, you know, all the anglers have different things. They're all getting more versatile for sure, but there's certain things that you just know, you know, if the fish is eating this or that, that so-and-so is going to be a, be a force, right. Cause we all yep. got our niche. So. Yep. All right. So with, yep. So with that, it's time for a short break. So hold on tight and me and Danny will be right back. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop, convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. 
whether day or night. I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man, join the Stray King team. All you gotta do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. Welcome to this segment of the show brought to you by TH Marine. Whether you need a prop wrench, jack plate, or LED lighting for your boat, they've got you covered. Make sure you get uh, get yourself entered for the Fuel the Fun sweepstakes happening right now. Enter to win weekly prizes or the grand prize of a $1,000 TH Marine gift card. Sign KVD gear and a personal Zoom call with Kevin himself. Look for the post on the English Channel website or go to thmarinesupplies.com and get yourself entered today. So first up, we've got a few results from events that happened from this past weekend. First one up I've got is the Alabama Bass Trail South Division. Those anglers were on Lake Eufaula. And winning that event with 2063 was Chris Rutland and Kobe Carden. I think you, know, I, you might remember that name from a few months ago, too. So. <laughs> I, I was going to say, oh, here we go again. No. Same lake, I think, too, if I remember. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next one up is the MLF BFL Music City Division. Those anglers were fishing Cinder Hill Lake and winning that event with 15 pounds and 14 ounces was Rodney Brown. The Hobie Bass Opens was on Lake Seminole this past weekend and winning that with a total of 100. 105.75 inches was Ewing Minor. The Carolina Anglers Team Trail uh, Watery event was won by Butch Williams and Sonny Beam with 1896. And the last event I've got up is the the big one was the Bassmasters Elite Series on Santee Cooper, won by first-time winner Luke Palmer with 96 pounds and 14 ounces. I believe he had a pretty commanding gap, too. I think it was like over 10 pounds <laughs> to second-place finisher Mark Menendez. But uh, we try to get Luke on, but I know it's uh, first first win. He's probably a very busy guy. So we'll see if we can get him on sometime after the Gunners. I'm sorry. Lay Lake of them, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's coming go. up. So, yeah. So, but uh, next up, a uh, few events coming up this coming weekend. Uh, the the MLF BFL Choo Choo Division, those anglers will be on Pickwick Lake. The Extreme Bass Series anglers, those, uh, will, those anglers will be on the North River. The Bass Champs East event will be on Toledo Bend. The Collins Bass or Cash event will be on the Chowan River. And the last one up, uh, and a little bit, I guess, somewhat closer to me. Oh, maybe it's a bit further away from you and me, maybe, but closer at least towards uh, at least north of the Mason Dixon line is the Cash and Rods Tour event. Those anglers will be on Champlain. So, other than that, uh, yeah, if you don't hear your uh, calendar or your events uh, throughout the uh, last few podcasts, make sure you send me your calendars, your schedule, especially if you've got tw- summer, fall, or 2020. But yeah, that winter of 2023 to 2024 events uh, calendars, send those over to me at dshowing at anglerchannel.com and I'll make sure I get them up. And I know last week, I think we kind of touched upon a little bit, but uh, I know there's been a uh, striking has a new uh, digital, though uh, they teamed up with the Fishing Chaos guys to launch a digital fishing tournament uh, that's, I think, pretty much, I'm not sure what the restrictions are, but it's pretty much almost open to Everybody, for the most part, but I know, Danny, you were able to get some more information to share with our listeners about that. Yeah, we got talking about this last week, or I think technically the press release was a little longer than last week, but it kind of left a scratch in our head and I was interested. So um, reached out to Fishing Chaos and was fortunate enough to get to speak with uh, John Caligas, which uh, he's in charge there. And this is a big part of what they do at Fishing Chaos. And uh, man, 
you talk about mind blown. Um, Fishing Chaos is an app. We knew that much and we knew it was a digital virtual thing. What I didn't realize prior to talking with John was everything else that they do. Um, these guys have weighed in like over a half a million fish in a variety of different ways. And uh, for folks that don't know, most tournament scales come out of uh, a place here in Indiana. And most tournament software is all written by the same guy or company. And there's different iterations or versions of it. And um, there's consumer versions that are pretty well debugged at this point. And they're, as a tournament guy, man, I found most of it mediocre at best. Okay. And, and uh, the guys at Fishing Chaos came along. They have a technology background and some really cool projects. And they're applying some of that to fishing. And they now have tournament management software that a tournament director can use that's tablet and phone based. It can communicate with scales. If you want to do catch photo release, they've got a process for that. If you want to do uh, length and girth, they actually have different formulas that you can input into your tournament. And if you want to do a traditional weigh them on a set of pro tournament scales, you can do that and the scale will communicate with the app and you can have a totally normal weigh in like you and I think of weigh ins. Okay. Um, but their system, I can't do their system justice on the podcast, but it's extremely robust. And so, uh, John kind of gave me a tour through that as a tournament operations geek. I will say that, uh, I was blown away. I mean, just super cool. The amount of data that they can gather, the way they can streamline things for tournament directors, all that stuff is, is great. Um, he took me through the site and showed me some of the stuff going on with the Strike King event that we've been talking about. And it's the Summer Smash Series Digital Tournaments. And the way they work is there is a different tournament challenge each month. Each challenge is its own tournament. So we are in, uh, starting on May 1st, Challenge Tournament 1 came up. And you can go and you can fish starting today we're recording on the second we're airing on the third you can fish the third and catch five fish and submit them all uh, you can fish on the third and not catch anything go back out on the fourth and submit one the goal is to submit your five longest bass for the month of may and those bass will then be your creel the software does have the ability to call for you so if you went out on you know, this week and you caught five and you had them submitted a few days later, you get the chance to go out and you catch a couple good ones. You submit them. Your entry will continue to call up until the end of the month. And then um, the five biggest fish win different prizes. I don't have all of them in front of me, but they're oh, here. They are top finisher from each region gets $200 mock gift card, $200 lose gift card, five mock combos, apparel, and more. The top five anglers from each region will be entered into the overall grand prize drawing for an Old Town Minn Kota kayak package and lots of mock gear. And second through 10th in each region receive a $100 mock gift card and a $100 lose gift card. So um, there's also details there about becoming a member of Team Mock Nation. Seems like a pretty cool program where um, you'll get a chance to collaborate with the Strike King team on an entire new line of products under the Mock brand. So that's rods, reels, baits, the whole works. And they have a form. If you go to Fishing Chaos, either through the app or on your desktop, there's links there that you can click um, where you can submit your information. I thought all that was pretty cool. Um, the event started on the 1st. Today's the 2nd. Uh, David, if you and I go head to head, we will be in the central region. Okay. And currently, wow, we just had a pretty big move on the board since I checked. Uh, currently leading is Nick Berger with a total of 93 inches. Mm. You can click on Nick's uh, link and it'll show you each of his bass. And that is a five bass limit. He had a 19.75, a 19.75, an 18.75, an 18 inch, and a 16.75. So now the way I understand it, Nick can go out and try to call that 16.75 out of his creel over the course of the month. Or David, you and I can go out and try to catch 94 inches of bass and beat him. Mm -hmm. But this goes on all month. 
And the uh, website does a great job of breaking down the regions. Um, I won't go through them all, all here because basically all the states are listed, but it's a, a northeast, a southeast, a central, and a west. And then there is a breakdown where they break up uh, Florida, Texas, and California into their own zone as the big three. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, and talking with John, a lot of this was segregated in a way to try to keep you know the the regions fair, right? The, the me and sure. you and I in the north central areas, we can't probably compete against what's coming out of Florida, but we could compete against what's coming out of regional states around us. So yep. it's it's broken down that way. Um, super cool. You can fish for free. The prizes are merchandise at this point, but I think we're going to see a ton of development on these platforms and with this format. Um, May first through thirty first, it's a five fish limit. May uh, June 1st through the 30th challenge number two is beat the mock team. So they'll have a team representative and your job is to catch more than their representative. Okay. Kind of sticking with us. Our central representative is Tyler Anderson. I'm not sure where Tyler is based out of or what we'll be competing against, but Tyler's the man to beat in the month of June. Okay. Uh, month of July, this is the one where you'll kick my tail because this is <laughs> total length, no holds barred MLF format. Just catch them and stack them up. And, uh, okay. you know, there will be some states that I just can't hang with and they catch them and stack them up. <laughs> and, you know, the other killer for me, David, is, is that the, the legal length limit on the MLF format is 14 inches. Uh, you just got to get off the, the Ohio River. Just get off the river. I know. I know. But man, that's that's a tough deal but for me. I got to get out of my comfort zone. I have to go to one of the lakes. And now I know I'm in trouble. Uh, but now on uh, August 1st through 30th, one bass. It is the mm, okay. largest in length fish out of your out of your division will be rewarded some of those same prizes. Okay. So. Somebody that gets on this program and sticks with it, they got a chance to absolutely load up on Mop and Strike King and lose merchandise, gift cards, and a variety of other things. And, um, you know, I'm normally a tournament boat guy way in five, but this has really piqued my interest. Talking with John over at Fishing Chaos about all the capabilities this system has. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think we better get comfortable with it because I think it's it's going to be here to stay. And, you know, he talked to me about some innovative stuff that they can do. Uh, they can do pro staff management for brands over there where they can disseminate messages to different subsets of their audience, whether that be, you know, like if you and I were striking lose pro staff. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Hackney strike King lose pro staff. Right. Greg probably gets different communications than David and I would get. So this, they have the, the ability to, to help them segregate and message that way. Um, they can do live leaderboards and events and stream them anywhere. You know, one cool thing he talked to me about, the way this platform is built, basically anything can be a contest. So uh, he gave me some examples where they did trash pickup leaderboards. Okay. And, you know, so they had a volunteer group in town around one of the lakes uh, the particular example we went through, they were using kayaks, but there were pictures of people with, you know, their garbage in kayaks. And it, and then uh, they would take their trash back to a designated area and they weighed it all in. Okay. And the person that picked up the most, they got, you know, they won just like the, the person that had the most bass. So there's conservation initiatives in it. The, they're using it in salt water. Obviously, the kayak world has embraced this way before our bass boat guys have. Yeah. And um you know, ready or not, I think this is another technology thing that's getting ready to come in and shake things up a little bit. And I don't think you, I don't know if I, I don't know if you mentioned this, but for those that are interested to the, what's the, how do you score everything, I guess, just in case. Uh, the, yeah. So everything they're doing on the virtual tournaments for the striking mock series will be link based. Okay. Um, so you'll, you'll, you come in when you get signed up, you have to register and view the rules. And once you do those things, you get what's called a ticket and your ticket is what allows you to participate. In this case, there's no charges for the ticket, but they have to have one to recognize you into the system and keep kind of keep track of everything. So you'll get your ticket. Once you get your ticket, you'll get an identifier 
Um, I've already seen what that is, but we don't want to jump the line. So you go through the process and every time you take a picture of your fish, you include the identifier in the photo. Um, some of the stuff I looked through, guys wrote the identifier on a note card. They put it in a clear sandwich bag and they kept it laying by their bump board. So okay. when they put a fish on the bump board, they took a picture. There's your identifier. You know which contest it's getting scored in and it records, uh, you record your catch that way. Okay. They do have the ability to do tournaments with regular weight. Um, they have the ability to, to run their data where you could do a weight tournament and a total catch. Um, man, they can carve up the data any number of ways. And that's one of the things that makes it cool. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned earlier too, so this, this format totally opens it up to anybody. So you don't have to have mm -hmm. a boat, nope. a kayak or nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you could be out, you know, on a, decide to go kill the evening and, and, and uh, you know, fishing from shore and uh, the only thing you, 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 what you said besides your rod and your reel and your camera phone mm -hmm. you just gotta make sure you have a bump board with yep. your identifier other than that then you're pretty much good to go so it opens it up to anybody out there so yeah and i think that's the cool thing you know i mean let's be honest there's probably there's gonna be some guys sitting back with some jam up farm ponds licking their lips because <laughs> uh you know they got them but i, I think it's fun man i think yep. it's fun and i think having a month you know in my case i could put together five good fish especially if i got 30 days to do it yeah uh, I, I can't do it in eight hours but 30 days i would love to <laughs> i'd love to been keeping track of them in april because I, I got the chance to fish some in april may it's not looking so good okay but, but I, i'm gonna participate if nothing else um kind of as a my own little personal project to motivate myself right like yeah it gets late in the month and i've got three 14 inch fish on my board and i'm probably going to force myself to go out and try to fix that um so Combo catch log, motivational program, win some prizes. Uh, I'm all in. I, I'm going to learn more about virtual stuff. And you know what? Maybe for our listeners that hear this, chime in on you know the social posts that you see this podcast uh, link on. Mm -hmm. Let us know if you want us to go against what me. If you want me and Danny to. To, to sign up and if you want to go against us on the side maybe and then there you go we can do a little so. side pot yeah like so it. so if you guys do let, let us know chime in on, on the social post facebook or instagram wherever you see if you do see the post because i always try to get the the podcast link up every wednesday morning so just chime in let us know and if we get enough people that want uh me and danny to to go up and then uh, you guys want to give us a run for our money which isn't much uh let us know and we'll probably end up doing that it'll probably motivate me to make sure i sign up and 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 and, and what some lines more often than i probably normally plan to so yeah yeah no i think we should and you know whether they do it through the podcast or whatever i'm i'm gonna do it you know we got yeah. all summer to do this program yep. striking striking supports us i think it's cool um and i would definitely encourage anybody that wants to get involved to do it um even been given some thought about this program is so slick and so simple, David, you and I could run a big online virtual fishing tournament mm -hmm. and uh, the technology does a lot of the heavy lifting. So okay. that's what, that's, what's cool about it. Um, you're probably going to hear me geek out on it some this summer. And I expect <laughs> to, I expect to see you get signed up soon because we're in the same region. <laughs> All right. I'm coming for, for you DX. <laughs> Oh, I will see. I, 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 I know you've done more fishing than I have, but well, again, like I said, oh, maybe it'll motivate me to get out and. and well, you have a, you have time, a so. strategic locational advantage. I promise you that. <laughs> so I'm I'm handicapped, <laughs> but I do it's know where farm ponds are. If I get down really bad, there are some farm ponds. <laughs> but I'm going to try to do mine off the river. I'm going to try to put together okay. an impressive sack of river fish. Uh, this is probably the only way I can catch a 20 pound bag down here is uh, <laughs> using the entire month to do it. So I'm going to give her hell and see what happens. Uh, all right. Last thing is, uh, yeah, with that. So yeah, make sure you get signed up. Uh, I know that the app, you could probably find the app on your, uh, whatever. Android yeah, I did Android, Google. went to the play store. It was there. It's an Apple app as well. Yeah. So, um, and there's the, the, the level that I added is just a free membership. It, it didn't cost a dime. There are some premium features that a person may decide that are worth it to them. Uh, I haven't decided if they are to me yet or not. I just wanted to get the free no. level to get in here and look around and man, it's cool what I'm seeing. So I encourage everybody to check it out. Yep. If you want more information, uh, the web address also is, app so it's app.fishingcast.com 
backslash club backslash mock nation mock is spelled m-a-c-h and then nation n-a-t-i-o-n so uh, any questions about that uh again we still have the uh, the the press release is still underneath our news link on the English Channel website, but if not, you could check out that website too for more information about this uh, uh, tournament series with uh, Lose. I'm sorry, with Rather Outdoors and the Fishing Chaos people. So, all right. Other than that, then uh, I guess so. It gives me time uh, uh, to hopefully, uh, or maybe and Danny some time to to get ready for our our virtual. Uh, tournament here uh we're gonna put this podcast back on the trailer so again thank you everyone for just uh tuning in and listening and supporting us here i want to make sure every week i thank our partners to help make this show happen and that's ranger mercury hummingbird mincota striking lose trickstep reliant dual pro charging systems th marine costa sunglasses toyota visit anderson and sportsman's warehouse with that for danny we will catch you in our next episode See you guys. Tight line. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.